Welcome to At The Counter, the show that takes the conversations had at the counter of your local comic book store and brings them to the internet. And for the record, we're, we're sorry. sorry. I'm Marcus Antea. And I'm Christian Kenty. We're coming to you from the Frugal Dutchman, a kind of nerdvana here in lovely Ridgeway, Ontario. It's a comic book, action figure, gaming, antique, and all-around nifty store. I'm a random customer who's a big nerd from way back. And I'm the store owner. And we've been having these conversations for years with other people dropping in and out to add points, and we've decided to share them with you. So take a trip with us down the nerdy rabbit hole to overhear the conversations that happen at, at the, the counter. counter. Okay, Christian, what's today's topic? So uh, we're coming back around to something that we didn't have, we couldn't release. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to do my best. We've left a few weeks between, uh, if anybody knows anything or if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I don't do second takes of anything. There are plenty of great jokes that I've had to give to Marcus because <laughs> it doesn't land properly the first time or something didn't record right. And I can't do a second take, but we're going to try one. Yeah. While we uh, were in the, <laughs> while we were in the window at Christmas, we did a whole really quite good podcast. It was a great conversation, yeah. Uh, about modern Trek and things that it's happening and, and all the wonderful stuff that's going on with Trek right now. Unfortunately, we got an insane buzz that crept in somewhere and it obliterated. Well, and we had, uh, I, I believe we had the music playing the Christmas over carols the, were going the, the track too, but I, I could almost deal with that, yeah. but there was like a ground buzz that was, was so loud that it obliterated half of what we yeah. were talking about as well and so the next day we ended up having to rejig the whole thing and make it different so I, I fixed it but that entire conversation was lost yeah however we're gonna not recreate it we're gonna talk about it we're again gonna hit the topic again yeah and see what we can know, come up it with. was it was a good conversation it needed to be something that we didn't just throw away because of a technical issue and again, I, I think we've left enough time now that we can come at it fresh again. I think so. we can too. So we're talking about new Trek. And by new Trek, we're starting with, I'm assuming, Picard. Uh, yeah, we're so, including uh, Picard, Discovery, Strange New Worlds, and Lower Decks. Yeah. We might touch on Prodigy a little bit, but it's not right at the top of my radar. I haven't watched It only went one season. Yeah. They've been fighting to get a second season, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, because it kind of fell into the uh, the whole... Guild Strike 2, didn't it? No, it fell into obscurity because nobody knew it was happening. It wasn't oh, well right. pushed yeah. out. No, it wasn't pushed out at all because it was in the middle of everything It was sort too. of in the middle of stuff. It, I found it by accident. Yeah. What the heck is this on, I think it was on Crave. And I'd never even heard that it happened. Yeah. And I watched the first few episodes and, okay, we're just going to dive right into it. Yep. There is a trend on in pop culture right now that irritates me and prodigy falls under that particular category. Okay. And the category is, Hey, what if this popular franchise was done by teenagers? Oy. And so it started out yeah. with, uh, camp Cretaceous. Oh, it started before that. Fast and the furious. Did oh, it was that fast and furious yeah. before that? Okay. So, they're, the ones that I know of off the top of my and head. That one are, landed apparently pretty well. I didn't I couldn't I couldn't handle Camp it. Just the idea. No, uh oh, the Fast and Furious. I watched one. the first few episodes Fast and the Furious Teenagers. Eh. It was okay. I mean it it did it was good enough. It didn't really need to be a Fast and the Furious no. name. 
That's that the thing about that one is if that was just fast car and took all the whole Dominic family thing out of it, oh, it wouldn't have suffered that much. Um, then there was Camp Cretaceous, which I actually enjoyed because instead of what if Jurassic Park was done by teenagers, they did that concept, but they merged it in with the movies. So the original series of Camp Cretaceous goes right up to the events of uh, Jurassic World. Okay. And then they get left behind. And they have to survive until the events of Jurassic World 2. Well, which is cool because there's a whole area in there prior to Jurassic World that gets kind of left out too. And and maybe we'll come back to that on a different thing. But that gets left out with the idea of, okay, somehow we got back to this. Like, yeah, first <laughs> this of all, bad idea you, came back around. How did you get a second park out of this? <laughs> and second of all... It obviously was very successful for quite some period of time. Right? Like, like it's busy. It's, they they went beyond opening the people Disneyland. in the park, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> like and but that means millions of people have gone through those gates and everything was perfectly fine right. until it wasn't. Right. And so that's something that is is, you know, that should be explored in a movie sometime. How did Jurassic World get open? Cuz that doesn't make sense. Right. Like, they even make a point of that in the movie where he's wearing an original Jurassic Park t-shirt. And she goes, that's a little tacky, isn't tacky, it? <laughs> don't you think? And he's like, no, I think it's amazing. But okay, I won't wear it again. But whatever. You know, yeah. like, it's, so it's interesting to see and He was hear. a good actor for that, too. I, I can't remember his name. He's in a few things. And he's... Yeah, really he's good. always that same character. Again, we're yeah. back to that guy yeah. who always plays the same character. Uh, hey, we need a, we need a guy... What was it? Loud um, and frantic and a little bit nerdy. Like <laughs> that's, that's the character. Uh, in in now this is complete aside, but we are we're, certain, we're not even on track anymore. <laughs> there's a certain type of person that they're like, we want somebody like this. When they they'll say this is a Polly Shore type, this is a Pee Wee Herman type, this is a whatever type. In love, actually, um, the. Uh, the love interest one. Oh, what is her name? I think she's the one that was Laura Linney. Anyways, they said when they were casting, they said we want a Laura Linney type. We, that's what that's the kind of what we're looking for. And then somebody finally went, "Did anybody ask Laura Linney?" And they went, "Uh, no." I love so that. So they called right. her up and said, <laughs> "We have a part that we kind of wrote specifically for you. Do you want to do it?" And she's like, "All right." I'll do it. But it's funny when you get those those things that go, we want a this type. Well, how about this person? No, they're too much that type. Like, eh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but anyways, it, that's the only reason I brought up because that came to my head. Anyway, well, you know, okay. we really got off track there. Ooh, we got off track big time. <laughs> I see what you did there. Don't think I didn't. <laughs> you got off and you get them. That was a good one. All right. So we were at Prodigy. Okay, anyway, so Prodigy... <laughs> Is that one that, like I said, I'm not liking this teenage redo it. So yeah. they have the teenage Fast and Furious. Teenage, they have a teenage uh, Pacific Rim, <laughs> which is not great. <laughs> the um, concept beyond is is a bit far-fetched yeah. in the first place. We're going to take teenagers and put them in this really dangerous military situation. 
No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, no, they didn't do that. They they found a Jaeger that had been abandoned. Oh boy. Because the basically like in this in this particular version, the uh, the kaiju won. Yeah. And they've wiped out a lot of humanity, and so okay. they found a, a kaiju base or. Um, uh, Jaeger, Jaeger base, base. Yep. and they managed to get this thing up and running with the tutorial. They always have tutorials. Prodigy, the tutorial is actually Janeway. Yeah. So they she comes up as a hologram and it's like, hey, cadets, and they're like, yes, we are cadets. Absolutely, we are cadets. <laughs> Can you show us how to fly the ship, please? Because we are cadets. <laughs> so that's basically the whole part of the first plot. And it just didn't land with me. Yeah. I watched a couple episodes and I was like, meh, okay. Well, it's animated Trek too, right? Animated Trek can be hit and miss. Well, we went through this with Lower Decks, right? And and we'll come around to it now. Because I'm not a huge animation fan. Like, there are things. I, I'm not saying it's all bad, it's all good, anything like that. I really have to be sold on the story of what's going on for me to get into an animated series. Now, Star Wars did it for me because Clone Wars Rebels, phenomenal series, right? And then they did the bad thing and did Resistance. And I was like, you lost me now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you had two good ones. I got, what I happened? got into right? <laughs> Bad Batch, but then I was like, I didn't watch enough of the Clone Wars originally to yep. really care. So I have not had like i i watched the first season of bad batch and i haven't been able to get through the second one not because it's not good just because i haven't taken the time for it and how i know myself we start and how talking I about track and instantly go to star wars right but, but that being said you're right animation sometimes ruins a plot for me now for me especially for something like star trek which they tried animation early on yeah and it was rough it was it's rough. now aged into something you can handle but because it was just so bad <laughs> well <laughs> that it's now good okay now to diverge right? a bit more and bring it back to that did you watch the uh short tracks no short tracks was actually very very good yeah they through animation they merged all of the trek genres into animation hmm. so they had tendy from lower decks talking about how the original Star Trek animation walked so that they could fly. And Scotty gets all bent out of shape and offended. That What do you mean you, we walk so you could fly? You're so much better than us. Is that what you're saying? And there's this, like, it. every one of them was played for pure comedy. And it was shockingly well done. Yeah. I really quite enjoyed them. They were very funny. They're still available here and there and everywhere. But if you get it, if you haven't seen them, I think they're called short treks. Okay. Because they're only like three minutes long or four minutes long. And they came out once a week for a bunch of weeks during whatever anniversary we just had. 50th? I think so. 60th? I think it was 50. Had to be 60 because it started in the 60s. So it had to be 60th anniversary. Yeah, I guess it would be. Anyways, regardless, it's a yeah. matter of go out and see them because they're very funny. They did a good job leaning into the funny parts of it. Okay. But it's all animation. But when they did the original animation, they redid the original animation as they as close to the original as they could. Yeah. So they're like, um, you don't even have whites of your eyes. How are you better than me? Like, I'm animated almost three dimensionally. You guys are like two dimensional. And yeah, so there's a whole fight about that. Like, it was very good. <laughs> 
So they've been really doing a lot of good stuff with Trek and they've made a lot of like if you lean into uh, Lower Decks, Lower Decks is packed with Easter eggs. Like, oh, yeah, the whole point behind Lower Decks is it is pure Trek love. Yeah, that's the only way I can put it. I mean, that's not the only way I can put it. It's the only way I can put it on the podcast. The, the funny thing friendly, for me, but. the one thing I hadn't picked up on was the name of the ship, too. The Cerritos. Yeah. And it's a California class. Yep. Yeah. Cerritos, California is a place. Cerritos is a city really? in California. That, I didn't you, know you that. You didn't catch that? No. I, you didn't catch I, the I didn't rest think of the California it. class, which are the San Clemente and the San Francisco. I wasn't and paying the, that much attention to the names of the ships. <laughs> well, that's the whole point is your California class are all named after cities in California. I totally didn't catch it. Oh, wow. Um, really? I got it the other day when I was looking at a map of California for whatever reason. And so <laughs> Cerritos, California went, huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little concerned about you. At least it didn't take me 30 years to catch it. <laughs> this time. Because that whole Bob Marley thing was something uh, else. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone because we're not getting back into that one. Well, because the Texas class that was the AI. Yeah. They were all named after Los- the, 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 the Alamo and the, okay. and the uh, what well, I don't remember the rest of them, but they were all names of cities in Texas. Fair enough. And so when the California class, they start listing them off, and they're all cities in California. That was the whole point. That's why they did the California class and named them all that way. Fair enough. So the Cerritos, the Cerritos is shockingly... Okay. How do you we, feel about the design of the ship? I I, <laughs> I want to know, because... I'm, I wasn't sure about it. Uh, it doesn't bother me. There's, no. a, I mean, it has all the right Federation it's bits. It's got all the right stuff. It's just a weird ship. It is a weird ship, but so is the, uh, so is the Stargazer. Like yeah. it's an odd looking ship as well. Like so are the ones with the four nacelles and just the saucer. Like there's all kinds of ones that are weird, but they all have. How do I put this politely? It's like being a Kenty. Oh boy. <laughs> they all look kind of the same and you know they're all Federation or you know they're a Kenti, but they're not the same person. They all have very different looks. And that was like a really different thing between like Federation ships versus like Romulan ships. Oh or, yeah, Romulans, you can always Klingon tell what ships. a Romulan ship is. No, not necessarily. That's what I'm Romulan saying. Is like the Rom- Romulan Klingon ships are very to the fact that both of them have birds of prey. Yeah. Um, which is really weird. But like the idea that you can always tell a Federation ship. Yeah. I, I would say that the Defiant, the Deep Space Nine Defiant, yep. not the original Defiant. The Defiant is probably the closest thing to a non-Federation Federation ship. With like, because even the runabouts, you kind of get the the shuttlecraft feel from. Yeah. Right. The Defiant itself lived up to that name because it just threw everything out the window as far as well, how they designed their ships. Well, part Bajoran, part Kardashian, part Federation, right? right? No, Technology-wise? It, was, it was built to be something to deal with the Cardassian problem. Right, but um, I, I thought, like, engineering-wise, they used a lot of those sort of things. And it was a stinking illegal Federation ship because it had a cloaking device. Oh, right, right, right. Right? So it, it had a bit of a Bajoran feel to it. But the point being, Federation ships are Federation ships, yeah. just like Kenties or Kenties. You get two nacelles or four nacelles. You get nacelles and a dish. Yeah. How you configure those are up to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? So, I don't know. The The California class is just, it, to me, 
and maybe that's the point is it's very utilitarian right well it's, it's very, supposed to be that's thing, yeah it's right? a we, working we cranked ship. out a bunch of these <laughs> because they were cheap it's also meant to be kind of the equivalent of a tug like it's More a or less, working right? ship yeah. it does the dirty work it's functional yeah they're they're not it's not a transport vessel. There's no pleasure cruise here. It's the, function. The California class are function over form. Yeah. And they are there to do second contact yeah. where they show back up with the signed <laughs> stuff and give them gifts and right. and do this, that, and the other thing. And they are, I'm going to assume from context, they are largely laughed at. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Cali class are kind of like, oh, you got a California class? Sorry about your career type of yeah. thing, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's but except like getting sent to Starfleet's principal's office <laughs> as a captain. <laughs> it's being assigned to a Cali class. Yeah, except the Cali class really doesn't care. Yeah. They prove their metal. I mean, they may get moved up to the cooler, flashier ships like the Titan or the Enterprise, but... They do more work than the than the Enterprise ever did. Enterprise flies around looking for new stuff and exploring. California class maintains. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to that like it'd be a great pull in legacy to have somebody assigned to Seven's ship. And there's always the question of where are you stationed last? Oh, I was on the Cerritos. <laughs> well they've already because those in timeline are very close to each other well right? it would it, it will Cerritos is a little bit ahead it will go into our canon discussion yeah but even before the crossover which we'll get into um lower decks was made canon yeah oh yeah by the simple fact that commander rutherford was called on the pa when picard was saying goodbye to the romulan kid yeah. And Rutherford is the engineer. And so that said, oh no, this is legit. And Lower Deck Which takes goes- place just a few years after after Next Gen. It's not far after Next Gen because according to thing, Mariner was an That's underclassman during the yeah. uh Starburst accident. Yeah. They've brought back Troy and Riker who were on the Titan. Mm-hmm. They've used what else was there? Oh, they brought back not Tom Paris, but the other one. Yeah, Nick. Um, Anyways, they brought Nick, back Nick, Nick. Paris. <laughs> well, we, if, if you don't know, Tom Paris was supposed to be Nick. Yeah, but they couldn't get the rights to the name from the writers. They wouldn't play ball, so they made a new character with almost the same background, and Tom Paris was Nick's redemption art. But they never dealt with Nick again until Lower Decks. Yeah, and the first thing they do. Is Rutherford leans over to Boimler and goes, doesn't he look a lot like Tom Paris? And he's like, I don't see it. <laughs> no, that, no, I swear to God, that look, I swear it's Tom Paris. Nope, I don't see it at all. Right. And so there's jokes like that, yeah. a lot of them. So I, I will give credit to it because I was, I approached Lower Decks prepared not to enjoy it. And it is not my favorite part of Trek by a stretch, but it's watchable and I enjoy it. See now, is. I'm. I think right now it's about probably number two on my list of track that I'm enjoying right yeah. now. Now I'm going to say three because I like Picard a bit better. But as far as ongoing stuff, the two that are ongoing right now that will continue past this season, it's 
they are one and two neck and neck. They have been so good. Okay, so Picard. I have an issue with Picard. Okay. I didn't think I did, but I've come up with this issue recently. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's... Well, because you know how you get with the first time you watch something that you've been excited about, and you you almost watch it with rose-colored glasses on. You you want it all to be good, and you overlook some of the little things and stuff like that. I feel like season to season, and I get why, but I feel like season to season for Picard, there were so many stretches to try and make it into one cohesive story, whereas like every other Trek has... a a seasonal over arc, right? That carries through all of the seasons. You understand the series, right? Whereas I felt like Picard was episodic in its seasons. So this season, we're dealing with this major thing. This season, we're dealing with this major thing. And this season, we're dealing with this major thing. And they really don't connect with each other that much. Aside from the fact that it's JL dealing with it. I won't disagree with that. I... Which caused some issues for me, because from season to season, it felt like you had to force all of the characters to be together again. I think within the season, everything worked well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But you're right. There were well-constructed season to seasons, season, it didn't go very well. Right? But from season to season, it didn't feel like the same show. It, again, it felt like you had to force the situation to have Rios and to have uh, Seven and to have any of the side characters. And then in the third season it just kind of the the latter half of the third season it just kind of threw everybody else a bit aside because well we're doing this last last ditch well, with the enterprise don't forget right the last i'm going to say four episodes of the second of the third like the last season yeah. of Picard that was just for lack of a better term fan hand jobs oh yeah like that was just Making it was doing happy. exactly what you want us to do, right? Yeah. Oh, you want to see? Okay. We've okay, had them why all not? in here, right? We're gonna put them all in the we'll room together, jam them all in, right? And don't get me wrong, as a fan, that made me extraordinarily happy the first time I watched it. Yeah. But after the second or third time you see it, you're kind of like, "All right, this was a little forced." And yeah, yeah. I, I get why they did that because they just wanted fans to say, "Oh my God, could you believe it?" But after that, it's kind of like. Eh. I will also point out going going a bit classic for a second. I found something that I can't justify. Uh-oh. From the movies to next gen. So, number 6. Un- uh undiscovered country. Yeah. Worf is an undiscovered country, played by Michael Dorn. He's not. Yes, he is. It's his father. It's not Moog. It it it's is. It's Worf. He is named as Worf. General Worf, which is greater. Look it up. <laughs> I watched it yesterday. I went, say what now? Because it, I feel like they explained it away as it was supposed to be his father, hoping nobody would catch it. But it's General Worf. <laughs> it's not General Moog, because that's the whole that's the whole surrounding of the Kittimer crisis and things like that, right? Right. But what it says, but is, Kittimer actually, the, the disaster at Kittimer actually comes after that. Here we go. I know we're straying from New Trek a bit, but this That's caught okay. me yesterday because I no, watched this last right. night. I, I learned about this years ago when it happened. I'm just digging it up here. Hang on. Because I was watching the opening credits going, oh, Michael Dorn is in this. Oh, interesting. I wonder who he plays. Star and Trek Voyager Orf. proves a Sulu spinoff should have happened. I don't disagree. Yeah, absolutely. That, sh- that absolutely should have happened. Although it wasn't confirmed on screen, Colonel Worf was meant to be Worf's grandfather and father of Moog, according to publicity materials for Star Trek VI. Mm. 
Originally, the character of Klingon defense attorney wasn't conceived with any specific actor in mind. According to Captain's Logs, the unauthorized complete Star Trek voyages as drafts of Star Trek sex screenplay progressed. Director Nicholas Meyer says, how about if we get Michael Dorn to play the part of Worf? Then Meyer was reminded the next generation is set 75 years after the events of the film. He went, okay, we'll make him his grandfather. Yeah, because there was probably not, I wasn't even putting that part together either because yeah. I, I totally left out when these movies released. Yeah. Undiscovered Country came out in 1991. Oh, yeah, Worf was there. Yeah, four years into Next Generation. So it was, he originally went, hey, let's just use Worf. And he went, yeah, it's 75 years too early. He goes, okay, make his grandfather. Done. So it's All technically right. his grandfather. Um, I'm a little more okay with it realizing what year it came out. Dorn was clad in modified Klingon prosthetics and playing Worf's ancestor opposite Shatner and DeForest Kelly in a fun cameo. I, I feel like they could have done a better job. <laughs> That's just me. Anyways, modern Trek. <laughs> Worf, grandfather of Worf. So Klingon naming conventions the way they are. That's not out Fair of enough. the realm. But it was written specifically for Michael Dorn to play Worf and they went it's too early and you go okay grandfather whatever who cares so is Moog son of Worf and then Worf son of Moog so that's how they got around it in their brain in in canon which again we'll talk about that in an upcoming episode of what canon means (laughs) Uh, however all right so getting back to modern track modern track we so, yeah, talked we're, about we're, we're touching on Picard being a little disjointed from so again the four modern tracks are Picard Discovery, Strange New Worlds, and uh, Lower Decks. Yeah. Picard, I don't qualify it as part of the new Trek. It is its own separate, completely compartmentalized thing because everything else is past, this is future. It definitely doesn't handle... Or, or it doesn't follow the norms for Trek. It doesn't right? follow the Which norms for Trek. Which is what I, we had talked about that off mic at one point when I first started watching. I was like, because it is Picard and it is what it is, I'm okay with it. I don't think they could have gotten away with any other story arc doing this sort of thing. Because when I sit down to watch a Trek, I expect certain things, right? And those are defining things, which is part of the reason that... DS9 was so controversial. Uh, not even for me. I was okay with that because it still had a lot of that. It still had a lot of the, the structural stuff. They didn't move anywhere. Fine. But they did. And, you know, and so I feel like I can handle DS9 from that perspective because it does still handle the arc, the hierarchy structure of Starfleet, right? And the Federation, how those things inter- interact. Remind and me. DS9 covered a few things that they don't usually cover, which was long term processes with raising, you know, Enterprise always jumped from place to place to place. You never got really more into a single culture. And so DS9 was able to do that with Bajorans and with the Cardassians really, really well. So I do appreciate that part of it as much as it's not my favorite track. But Picard broke the mold on that and said, we're just going to do this story however we want because John Luke's going to go rogue. Right? Yeah. Um, and we're going to throw the whole thing out the window. I. <laughs> Anything else, you would not be able to get away with another Trek series like that, right? Because it's part of the reason I was going to say The Voyage Home was such a tough movie to watch. 
Number four. <laughs> Mr. Number four. The best the best track? <laughs> no. What are you talking about? The one that takes place in real time. They decided to do time travel the for best the track. sake of getting a whale. The best That's track. Ridiculous. <laughs> the most amazing track. <laughs> because it had no actual track concept to it aside from, we're going to time travel and get a whale. Why? <laughs> so the probe didn't destroy the entire Federation. As a matter of fact, there's a secondary <laughs> book after that called Probe. It's still ridiculous. And it's very good. It's a very, very good book and a very, very good story. That's why anyway. that as a movie is, again, it's not a bad movie. It's just not a good Star Trek movie to me. It's my favorite Star Trek movie of all time. I'll watch it anytime it's on. Anyways, we're not talking about old Trek. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking about new Trek. Trek. But these things correlate, right? What, what I was so. going to say about DS9, although we're, we're trying to get off this topic, there is a wonderful podcast called The Thrilling Adventure Hour. You've heard me talk about it before. Matt and I are both fans of it. And there's one particular... Okay, I'll do as fast as possible. Thrilling Adventure Hour is a podcast that is from a, a stage show that the people did in uh, L.A., relatively known actors like Padgett Brewster, my, Paul F. Tompkins, Mark Evan Jackson... Nathan Fillion was in on it. What's his name? Bender. Oh, gosh. I don't know who John, plays that name. Or who plays that voice. John. Anyways, voice character actors. Um, Kripke. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. He's another three-name actor, and it's yeah. right out of my head. Anyways, he. They, a lot of these guys did it, and it was a fun thing they did every month. And it had vignettes like 1920s radio serials. Yep. They did, they'd stay up there with in fancy 1920s ball gowns and suits and they'd have their scripts and they'd come on stage where there were little Persian carpets with a microphone that they all shared, three microphones, four microphones, depending on people were in this, in that particular sketch, a Foley artist off to one side, making all the sound effects live, Mm -hmm. a small little band, the whole nine yards. And they would do these radio dramas. Well, they weren't dramas, they were comedies. One was called uh, Beyond Belief, which is Paul F. Tompkins and Paget Brewster as married high society people who were always drunk and drinking, but they were also mediums. So they would deal with supernatural problems and supernatural creatures and their problems. And it's very, very funny. They are absolutely antagonistic towards the outside world. At least Paul is. He wants nothing to do with anything other than booze and his wife and not necessarily in that order. He is absolutely absolutely enamored with his wife she's absolutely enamored with him she's a little more well we should help these poor people he's like people are outside and that's why we have a door uh if we answer the door they come inside so let's not answer the door and that's the kind of way he is but his wife wants to do it so he does it they solve the problems they go back to drinking and being amongst themselves there's a bunch of other ones jefferson ace or jefferson reed ace american which is a captain america type of joke there's Captain Laserbeam, which is a 40s Batman serial type of thing, like the Shadow or the Batman. He's a superhero. He has his Adventure Keteers. He has his 100 lasers, etc. and so forth. Very funny stuff. But the reason I'm bringing all this up, and it's a very long-winded way to get to it, is there is an an episodic one called Sparks Nevada, Marshall on Mars. And it is the only true episodic one that they do there is continuing characters that grow and plot lines and they throw back to old ones. It's got Mark Evan Jackson of Sparks Nevada, the Marshall on Mars. He's from Earth. That's how he does it too. Croach the Tracker, which is the kind of the Tonto-y type of character. He's an alien from Mars. 
Uh, he, anyways, again, the whole point behind this is the concept of Sparks Nevada Marshall on Mars is what if the hero didn't ride off into the sunset and had to stay and be part of the lives of the people he saves? And that's where DS9 has that same feel. Mm-hmm. The Federation came in and went, ha ha, we saved you. See you later. Good luck. Except they left somebody there to deal with the good yeah. luck part. And that's why DS9 doesn't fit the Trek mold, but it's still very good because it deals with something of Trek that rarely gets dealt with. And that's what happens after what we leave. After? Yeah, and that's where the Cali class and the um, Lower Decks comes in because they come back after the big ships leave and they deal with what happens afterwards. So that's what that's the whole point behind it is what happens after the, the Enterprise yeah. leaves. <clears throat> for sure. And, and I think for me, what I'm mostly looking for out of any of my Trek is when I'm getting into it and, and to have it fit my mold for what I expect is really Starfleet, <clears throat> right? These are different tales of what is happening with different ships in Starfleet and how different captains handle those things. And so, you know, the the structure aboard the ship, the any of the socioeconomic parts of, you know, and, and Big Episodic is, is good, too, for a lot of them. But that's part of why DS9 fit the mold for me, because it was still Starfleet, right? This was very much Starfleet. And it, it got a different angle on it, which was good, but the structure was still there. You have your captain or commander at that point, right? And then you have your command structure from there down, and how do these people interact with each other? Right. And it goes from the idea that there is a work life balance between each of these characters as well because they're in the service. Right. So, yes, that person who is your commanding officer, you also spend time with <laughs> and socially a lot of the time. And that's you're in a ship together. There's only so many options. That's right? what Lower Decks does so, yeah. so well. Now, I will admit, I'm assuming much the same as you. When I first saw the the uh, the uh, trailers for it, all I saw was Family Guy in space, right? Or Simpsons and that's in what, space. That's what made me nervous about it because I'm like, you are making fun of something that is dangerous to make fun of. And then it was kind of that way for the first one or two episodes, but I liken it very closely to the Orville. The Orville for the first few episodes was all slapstick comedy what if regular people were the people working in space not the elite intellectual hoity-toity what happens if your pilot shows up late for work (laughs) yeah what if your robot steals his leg as a practical joke like these are these are all things that are slapstick silly family guy type stuff but both the orville and uh lower decks very very quickly within the first three or four episodes settled into some really great Trek. Mm-hmm. Orville is a love letter to Trek. And I love that you can technically alternate universe it because uh, uh, Seth MacFarlane is in Star Trek. Yes. Um, so he is canonically in Star Trek uh, as a member of the engineering crew aboard Enter- the NX-01 Enterprise. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was... I didn't realize it was that, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> he shows up in that unnamed red shirt, right? It's <laughs> just... Uh, he he talks to uh, Commander Tucker at one point about, well, you know, I got to work on this. He's like, yeah. Da, 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 da. And I, you look at it and go, holy crap, that's Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> 
And then you sit back and go, ooh, <laughs> oh, that makes this an interesting possibility. <laughs> well, see, the thing is now, because it's Seth MacFarlane, and I don't understand why he's got more pull than regular Star Trek, but he drags some big names into that. Mm-hmm. Like... Like he had Liam Neeson come in and do a bit. Mm-hmm. They drew on his face with a magic marker and threw him up on the screen to do a little monologue. He probably worked all of twenty minutes. Well, and Norm Macdonald jumped on as the as you know the, as the, the occasional guy. character, right? He, no, yeah, he's he no, was, he's a recurring he was, character. He's a recurring occasional, yeah. Yeah. Now I don't know what they did with him. They did, did just got rid of him. I don't know. I haven't watched the because after he passed away, I don't think they used yeah. him anymore. No. But there was some fun stuff with that too. But I think I think the the lightheartedness of Orville made it a little more accessible for some of those big names because Trek's a big deal. Yeah, and it's something that if you're not prepared to go the distance with Trek, because you're not signing on just for a movie or a TV show, you're signing on for convention appearances, for a lifestyle as an actor, which is what Nemo or Nemo Nemo had. <laughs> wow, weird Freudian slip there. Uh, <laughs> Which is what Nimoy had a problem with for a long time, was it was not the lifestyle he thought he was signing on for. I'm now trying to cast (laughs) a remake of Finding Nimoy. (laughs) I'm just seeing a little clownfish with pointy ears. A little clownfish with pointy ears. (laughs) Anyways, I'm going to send that suggestion to Laura. He'll make that. He will make that 100%. Absolutely. That'll be part of our new cover. Uh, (laughs) Nimoy. Finding Nimoy. Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Wasn't that <laughs> that's that's Star Trek Three, Finding Nemo, <laughs> the search for Spock? Oh man, we've done it. We've broken ourselves. Oh, anyways, okay, pull it back together. <laughs> <laughs> so the the ones that looked like they could be peripheral ones yep. turned out to be really good. Yep. Lower decks just keeps getting better. I can be okay with it because of how well they've handled it. And I think how, oddly enough, how fanboyish Boimler is um, about Starfleet in general, you know, it puts a perspective on time and place as well. Is like, well, what do you, as, as a nobody ensign or JL uh, on a starship, like, who do you fanboy about? Right? Well, apparently Una Chin Riley is your chin Riley and, like, and Picard and Riker and right, so all these things, and you fanboy about yeah, Starfleet has some big names, and you did see that come through a little bit in Next Gen too. Is like, oh, but he worked with Kirk, yeah, like or you know, I met him once. It was a really cool experience. It's like, yeah, these guys get excited about historical people which is awesome we'll bring that up again in a few minutes because don't forget that is a major part of something but we're not there yet so the way they you know that the whole lower decks cartoon comes from a single next gen episode okay called lower decks yeah where uh, they focused on some background people and gave them a more fleshed out job voyager episode no it was definitely voyager all right going to the (laughs) arbiter We'll do the Google Lower Decks episode. Lower Decks, Star Trek, The Next Generation. 
Okay, they redid it on Voyager then. They might have. Or they definitely did similar. one on Voyager because I remember because it was it, it was Janeway going down and she had a coffee cup in her hand. She went down to like deck 10 or something like that, whatever the lower deck of Voyager is and pulled like a few people out. And one of them was literally still on Voyager because they were stuck. He's like, I would have transferred out of this place months ago, right? They make a whole point of she's going to try and uplift some of the lower decks some of the people that would normally have just been good shepherd sifted out good shepherd is the 140th episode of voyager at 20th episode the the same idea she yeah she tracks down to the lower decks be like yeah these are people who would normally have maybe just washed out of starfleet altogether but they're stuck with us here like (laughs) they don't have a choice but to be part of the crew right so you know we leave them alone we let them be down there and we leave them alone and they get a job done right it's functional yeah i don't remember the one from next gen for some reason next gen is literally called lower decks yeah yeah. i'm just trying to picture the situation and who it was i think one of them was reg really barkley he wasn't a lower decker. He was a senior. Uh, he wasn't senior staff, but he was. No, he, he was a lower, lower decker. decker. He had a couple episodes where he featured prominently. Yeah, but I think it started after lower decks. Fair enough. That's against. That's you know not the whole point anyway. But I could be wrong. Though. Let's see. But yeah, it it all comes out of that because it had hit in a few different areas as well to do lower decks. It, it was a good arc for them to take to a show, and I. I don't feel like you could pull off that that story arc in a live action, um, which is why I kind of give it acceptability as this is good as animation. Yeah, it's Nurse Ogawa, the Vulcan Injured Torek, and the Bajoran Sito Jaxa. So yeah, I was wrong. It's not it's not Reg, but okay, Nurse Ogawa. Okay, I I know which one it is. Okay, yeah, so, because Ogawa is one of those. Uh, occasional recurring characters on enterprise as well right she's always right there when crusher's doing anything she shows up in in a ton of episodes but she's not a central character she's the yes here's your tricorder <laughs> yeah yeah so they made her they gave her a, a bit of a bump for that episode because which you know. makes sense in the way that they wrote tendy too then yes because, yeah, you work in sickbay. Obviously, you work with the senior staff in sickbay. <laughs> and that's, that's in some of one of the places. things they actually lean into in Lower Decks was the fact that everybody has a mentor yeah. or what they call a bridge buddy. If you have a bridge buddy, you're going somewhere. You yeah. get promotions and stuff like that. And that's why uh, Mariner gets so pissed off when she gets promoted again because she keeps getting promoted and then busted back down to Ensign because she doesn't think she deserves to succeed. Yep. She's a Nepo baby who doesn't want to be one. Yeah. And the first officer whose name popped right out of my brain, he says, I don't care how much you screw up. I know you have, you, you stop well, self-sabotaging. And I feel like in her backstory, there's probably, because what is she's been promoted up to JLG like four or five times. Yeah, right? and I think three or four, down. but yeah. Um, I feel like the first two were probably probably fit right into what she expected. Is, yeah, mom's a captain, dad's an admiral. Of course I got promoted first. But she's a person who has to earn her, earn her way. 
um, if not more so because of that. And so it feels like those that might have been the case for the first two. And she missed the boat on the third or fourth one because she thought it was the same thing, but it yeah. maybe wasn't. Um, and that's what they're seeing now. It's like, no, dude, you know how to do this job better than half of the senior staff on this ship. Yeah. So and she job. also has the connections. <laughs> She's got the right. experience. Yeah. She's done. Like, she is more badass. She's the most qualified person on that ship, almost. Short of her mother, I think. Uh, Captain's a different thing. Yeah, but she is ridiculously overqualified but and doesn't want to grow up. She could be bridge staff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely could easily be bridge staff. You know, um, junior commander or whatever, or lieutenant commander, or yeah. whatever. But um, just gave up on herself, basically, yeah. at some point because she and thought she was getting up on And her character arc is really good, too. It is. Absolutely. Lower Decks is more episodic than TNG ever was. Oh, yeah. Voyager is a little more episodic because they they have to grow. Otherwise, they're just boring. Yeah. Next Generation didn't really have to have anybody grow because nobody changed. Yeah. Like, they were always the same. You had a couple people come in and out, but nobody ever fit within the core of the bridge group. And they never really had to change. With the exception yeah. of Brent Spiner, who had to play several different characters, <laughs> everybody played just the same thing over and over again, right? Yeah. I, I think that brings us around to, uh, I mean, we've we've touched on Lower Deck, we've done Picard. Let's, so get, leaves us, let's get Discovery out of the Discovery's way. Discovery's going to be out of the way because there's going to be a few the quick things one. with it. Um, <laughs> Discovery, not my favorite. Not my favorite track. Matter not fact, a terrible track. They redeemed themselves when they did the future. Sorry about the spoiler, but when yeah. they did the future jump, uh, you've had time. I had time to watch yeah. it. You've had time. No, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my problem is is I, I hate any show that people will tell you you gotta oh, get past, you season, gotta get past yeah. season one, and then it gets really. We cover that a ton, right? Yeah, like Farscape's a good example. You yeah. got you get through past the first season, season and a half, it gets really good. Well, but the I, worst part is you kind of need that first season too. You do. For the you need all the background. It's like right? every every superhero movie has to have the first movie be right. a origin story. It's an origin story. But you have to understand it again. And and thank God they didn't do this with the latest Spider Man because we all know the story now. Right? They've done it a bunch of times. We're good. Let's move on. Yeah, so Discovery kind of came into that with me is uh, most of the thing for me is that Discovery's first two seasons feel forced. It was being used as a precursor to help understand a bit of the Klingon conflict, first of all. Mm -hmm. The lead-in for that, which I'm not having a problem with. It was a good lead-in, right? The setup for that, the story arc for that was really good. But they decided to basically throw aside the technological aspect of original series and say, too bad, we're going to make a really technologically advanced ship. That that was my problem. And throw it's, everything aside from original series. And it basically gave them license to renew the Enterprise the way they wanted to for Strange New Worlds, right? Because they push a lot of the tech boundaries on that, too, which are like, mm, I get where they... Okay, okay. can run but that one you're, out you're now on two right? separate things hang on but they used it as a platform for that right no and they they did their best to excuse it and the excuses were lame <laughs> if were. discovery had been concurrent with even next gen i would have been okay the fact that they've got this quantum mushroom drive yep pre-kirk 
mm-hmm. pre-TNG, almost pre-Pike, I couldn't deal with it. My brain said, again, this, this is make so sense. stupid because it's all fictional. It's yeah. none of it's real. I went, this is not possible. Even if you couldn't get the quantum drive to work on any other ship, the advancements on that ship should have been put out fleet-wide immediately. Mm-hmm. And TNG did not have those advancements. Nope. So, therefore, everything in Discovery was completely anachronistic. If it had gone the opposite direction in the first place, where it is a technology event ship that got thrown back into next... That thing, I could buy. That in. I could buy into. I'm down with it. That would have solved all of it. But because so we it need, was we so need a advanced, prequel season for Discovery. <laughs> it just it makes it makes me angry. How bad would that be? Oh, a don't, prequel don't, season for Discovery don't, that don't. that actually encirculates upon itself. Don't put that in the universe. <laughs> some some exec might hear this podcast someday in the future and it would be horrible. Something where from their future world, <laughs> right? Their future position, they get thrown back to pre pre original discovery. <laughs> or the ship gets tossed back. That's that's the that's the end. Um, there's there's your series finale for Discovery. The ship oh. is thrown back in time, <laughs> right? And it actually creates a temporal causal loop. Actually, you know what? No, I can fix that even better. It gets thrown back in time, but the crew is left in the future or killed. That's what I mean. But it's just, just the ship, just the just ship, <laughs> and then they find the ship and they send, uh, you know. Mark from Rent in to try and figure out how to make the thing that's work. That's what I said. It it creates this temporal causal loop that's unbreakable now. That just <laughs> keeps going in circles. These things have to happen in order for this to continue happening. Right? But here's the <laughs> That would make it okay with me. It would make it better, but here's the thing. The ship would constantly be degrading. Absolutely it would be. <laughs> So here, yeah, here's that question. If this keeps looping, the question becomes: Where are we in this part of the story? No, no, no. The question is: How many times does it loop through? The technology doesn't get renewed. Does it pop back in and become a brand new ship every time? I don't know. Like that's the question, right? Again, that's where the question comes up: Of where would we be falling into this loop? Now, right? admittedly, first I, season would be first loop. I enjoyed meeting Pike. Oh, absolutely. I enjoyed meeting number one. And they, I, I legitimately like the crew of Discovery. They're, it's a good crew. It's mostly, not the best crew in mostly. Trek, but it is a good crew. It's not a bad crew. Right? I, There's a few I have a problem there, with overall, it's not bad. I have a problem with the redhead, mostly just because I think she's annoying. I know she's designed to be that way. I think that's the function, way. though, and that's I why it. I don't have an issue with it. She just irritates me. Right? Because I've had because to deal with too many of those like, That's the idea is, uh, that I like about it is like we get this idea of Starfleet being this button-down bunch of people who just know how to get along with each other for the most part, right? And you never have, you never seem to have that one really annoying person who just shows up all the time and is in the middle of everything and just won't friggin' shut up. Right. And I think that's why she plays that 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 character is so important to but she does it as poorly as boimler does it right (laughs) 
Fair enough. <laughs> like, Boimler's the same character, but he's not... He's irritating, but he's not irritating. Yeah. Like, oh, it's Boimler again. He's going off. And like, oh, my God. I want to strangle this woman. <laughs> like, there's a difference. I don't know what the difference is or why I feel that way. I just... She just irritates me to the point where I don't want to watch her. Fair Boimler, enough. I got no problem with, which I don't understand why. It it's, makes no sense, but... I just think it's the way she's written. That might be. I've never had I an loved, issue with her. <laughs> I loved Michelle Yeoh. She was incredible mm-hmm. in both roles. Yep. And I love uh, anything character-wise that uh, Doug Jones, is that his name? Oh, Saru. The, uh, yeah, Saru. Yeah, oh yeah. Doug Jones. And getting to see him out of makeup was really cool. That was a fantastic couple in- of episodes. He is in makeup every single time because he is an incredible character uh, actor. He understands how actor. to interact with the prosthetic, which is a tough thing to do as an actor. A lot You see it done poorly sometimes. And he also has completely different mannerisms per character. He doesn't float along doing things exactly the same way. He finds a, a hit and he, it's like, um, it's like Mike Myers. Mike Myers plays a whole whack of characters, but they're, they're never the same. Oh yeah, no, they're all And he has his mnemonic device that gets him into that character. Once he does it, he's a completely different actor. Doug Jones is really, really good at the fluidity and and making something feel real that doesn't exist right right especially saru is a great example because you don't get that feel of saru when you see him from the waist up so many shots are here yeah. right are our chest up waist up shots and then you see the wide shot where he's walking across the room and it's very natural, and it and that, flows that really real, and everything has emotion to it, and every angle of and his body and the yeah. way he moves is deliberate and thought out, and is inhuman, <clears throat> um, right down to the prosthetics they use on his feet to yeah. keep him up. Like, like he's thought that through of okay, muscularly from the bottom up, what does that mean, right? Yeah, I would arc back because look at my feet. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? Indiv- my individual character forward. work and, in Discovery. It's just a flowing feel to it. It's very, very organic. The individual character work in Discovery is quite good. Yeah. I just don't like how it fits together. Again, it's where it is in As soon as it went to the future, we're good. most of that problem yeah. disappeared. Because all of a sudden, they're behind the times. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I'm fine with that. Right? Like it, so anyways, that's, that's yeah. the thing is... Yeah, once they passed My the future threshold, that was good. That, yeah, right. And again, you had to get through what two to three. I think it was three, two seasons. Two seasons, I think. Two full seasons and decently length seasons. I think there were full twenty three. There's twenty four, twenty six, yeah, twenty six episode seasons. So long seasons. Um, and again, there's great character work in that, and you understand these characters. But, but the whole concept and it makes definitely me makes agitated. that time jump thing hold weight. Right in the story of what's happening to these people, but it's that sigh of relief too for the for the audience now going oh, okay finally we can enjoy I cannot be bothered by this anymore. I also don't like right? retcons. So. Retcons bother me because I think it's sloppy writing. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. and the whole oh, we just make it a thing. And the whole um, it's Spock's sister thing. Oi. That, yeah, that and then rough. at the very end they go 
my sister is gone and I will never speak of her again. And like all of a sudden, like, oh, okay, that's how it works. Yeah. That's not the first time they've done that with Spock, too. Yeah, he's got also got Cyborg. He's got a brother, yeah. Cyborg. But they actually brought Cyborg in. <laughs> yeah, retconning is, is always so lazy to me. Like, yeah. It's, here's a thing. We want to make a thing. It's not a thing. Again, there's there's precedence right. for it. Sometimes it's appropriate. And, and there are definite uses of retcon that are, okay, yeah, we didn't have this in the story, but all the things that we can do with that now make more sense for us to throw this in. I guess. But in I I don't know that there's a ton of that available in Trek. Without going into a whole lot of deep thought about it, you know, on the surface of it, a lot of the retcon that has been done, especially for modern Trek, is it's like you said, it's sloppy, right? It's lazy, it's sloppy, it's you know, well, we just want to make a thing. It's like but you didn't need to. And the thing, I mean, they used her relationship as a brother to Spock very well. Oh, yeah. And that, don't get me wrong, it was a fine plot point, but the concept irritated. So basically, Discovery has irritated me the entire yeah. time. So not on the top of the list by any stretch no. of the imagination. However, it's watchable, but it's hard to watch. It's barely watchable until the next <laughs> last few seasons, and then I even I haven't even finished it yet because I haven't got around to it. Yeah. I didn't care. Now, talking about things that I will watch and a binge and watch every episode available, we've now hit Strange New World. To me, the pinnacle oh of modern Trek. So many things done well with this series. I'm so happy. Even with it. though it is pre-Kirk. It is still qualified as modern Trek because it's all brand new stuff. They took something that was a foot, an ugly footnote in in Star Trek history. Because for if you don't know this already, I which I hope you do. If you're getting into it, you know you should know that Pike was the original captain of the Enterprise. No, uh, for the sake of Star Trek, he was the first captain of the Enterprise in Star Trek. Ish. On screen. He's the first captain we know of. It turns out C- Commodore April was the first. I'm saying on screen. on screen. On okay. screen, he was the first captain to, or the first person to captain the Enterprise on screen. And. For one episode that didn't get aired originally. It didn't get aired originally be- because they didn't, the chemistry was off. Something There's a few things like. they didn't like about it, and so they rewrote and it. So they rewrote it and put yeah. Kirk in instead. And and did a completely different thing, at which I was, I appreciate now that they didn't try to redo that episode. Right. They rewrote. A new series with new characters, almost completely from scratch. They there was a few things that they, the over arc of the thing was kept, but and, and you still had Spock, except he was now more Vulcan than human. In he was original, more Vulcan than human in the in the cage. He was more human than Vulcan. Was he? He I, was I've like never he is. It that he, he is. He was like he is in in Strange New Worlds at okay. the beginning. Um, he was more human-ish. Okay. He would smile. He would laugh. Like, not ha-ha-ha laugh, yeah. but he would uh, chuckle or whatever. He was in the cage. He was more... He showed more emotion. Yeah. When they rewrote him for the opening of Next Gen... Or uh, original, original series. series yeah. He was much more Vulcan. Yeah. Came more dry. Which they have addressed in Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. And also why 
there's such a weird dynamic between him and Chapel. Um, the fact that number one is gone about everything except her voice, yeah, is also kind of never addressed that I'm aware of yet. Yeah. But it's fun. It was addressed. Okay, <clears throat> now here we go back into canon versus real versus television stuff. Star Trek has a massive, massive amount of books. Yes. None of them are technically canon. Some kind of are. But I feel like that's becoming more of a discussion now with New Trek coming in. It's okay, how do we handle this? As opposed to certain other franchises that have been concerned with it from like day one. I'm right. well, or or had gotten kind of in this bandwagon thing, and that has to do with things changing hands a lot as well. True. Um, we we want to look at Star Wars, where they just threw out. Well, Star Wars and Marvel were two really great examples of Disney taking something and deciding what's now the actual story, the actual lore. And I don't say that it doesn't need to be done. And we'll cover that in a different. We'll thing. cover I'm that not in, go down in the that next road, episode but. that we do, in the episode we do about canon. Yeah. But um, in in one of the Star Trek books, the reason the ship sounds like Number One or Magil Barrett, they explained it as they got updated components through a a superior species, her in Daystrom, and when they ran back, she used her voice to be the voice of the computer because she was there. Okay. And so that's why all the computers sound like her. Cool. Because she happened to be there and gave her the computer her own voice. Easy, easy, peasy, quick solution. Now, there's a fun thing for Strange New Worlds that I haven't paid it. I might have to go back and watch because you don't hear from the computer a lot in Strange New Worlds. No, but the when computer you do, doesn't it play is a Magil character. Barrett. Is it Magil Barrett yeah. or is it... She did... So many, that would have been a cool thing. She did so many years of computer talking. Oh yeah, that they have such a vast array of her being able to say just about anything technobabble yeah. that they've just used. As far as I'm and aware, they can, they can modulate the rest. They've from just what she's used. Got. Yeah, yeah, they've just used her voice for the whatever. Funny thing would have been to use. Oh, uh, number one's yeah. voice. <laughs> It would have, but it also would have hurt your soul a little bit. A little bit, maybe. I don't know. It, because not many people know that story, though. Right? So it wouldn't have made sense to have her be It just the, would have been a neat little, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I said, I'm still waiting for that. That, that was the thing I said in the, when we originally recorded this. I'm still waiting for the moment where um, number one and Nurse Chapel have a moment with the computer of some for some reason of you know I've always felt this really uh, like there's something about you that just feels like we're almost the same person yeah right well they also had that opportunity with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and yep. and uh, Robert Downey Jr. to say something like what am I Sherlock Holmes and have yeah. them look at each other and they let that fall too right? so you know I said I just want that to be like in the next season just just a moment it doesn't have to be set up by anything it can be just a personal social moment between the two of them you know we don't hang out that much but I feel like we we're, we're almost connected. like the same yeah. person. You know, uh, um, I've kind of felt the same way. And you leave it for a pause. All right. And <laughs> you move on. <laughs> I love callbacks like that. I love little jokes like that. <laughs> what I was trying to get to in the last podcast that we got distracted on it was <laughs> the the Terminator. 
Yeah. Patrick, no, something Patrick. We just talked about the Liquid Terminator. Remember, we just looked oh, I... Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick, thank you. He's in the current season of Reacher. Okay. And they're trying to find the Reacher's people, and they ho- book into the hotel under pseudonyms. And he says, the woman booked in as Sarah Connor, <laughs> and the guy booked in as blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, blah, blah, blah. Was a uh, was a left fielder for the Yankees, so that's our guy. He goes, "What about who's Sarah Connor?" He goes, "I don't give a shit who Sarah Connor is," <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard because it's you just, know that joke was set up. For it was a hundred percent set up. Absolutely, like, it's like anytime somebody has a big thing like that and they throw a little joke in at it, I love it because it <laughs> because just it's says, that if you know you know thing. We know, right? we know you know. We're yeah. gonna just make a little bit about it, so we know we know you know. And you know there's one one kid in that room who's not laughing because he didn't get the joke. Yeah, it's all children. And then you get get to share that with them, right? It's like, you know, a room full of adults watching this and one kid's not laughing. He's like, oh, no, no, no. This is the thing. This is why I got to show you a thing. It's funny. (laughs) Trust me, it's funny. But I don't get it. People aren't going to get it. Oh, people are going to get it. Oh, trust me. Yeah. (laughs) The right people will get this joke. But anyway, so um, Lower Decks does that a lot. They do a lot of inside jokes, a lot of Trek references, a lot of deep pulls. Yeah. And the same (laughs) thing happens in uh, Strange New Worlds. Not to the same extent, but they're doing – they do some of the things – that are referenced further on. So you never saw the re- thing that was referenced, but they're now doing the thing to create the ref- like a backwards causality loop. Yeah. Um, I don't have a specific example other than Spock's the way he is because of his failed relationship with Chapel. And that colors everything going forward. Yeah. Or, you know, I will never speak of my sister again, so that that's why you don't know he has a sister before then. Like those kind of things. Some of them are a little hackneyed. Some of them are make sense. But Strange New Worlds is doing the things that make other stuff make sense from before. So there was one other thing that I was I was struggling with a bit. Um, but again, it it turned out to be just me looking for trouble. Um, Doctor Mbenga does appear in original series once. Yes. And it bugged me at first that he doesn't mention having been, you know, on the enterprise, having been chief medical officer of the enterprise. Right. And then I realized, number one, I'm nitpicking because that's retconning in the wrong direction. Right. Number two, it's not necessarily something you bring up all the time. Right. Or would have been brought up in the situation specifically that he was there for. Right. Right. It was probably said at one point, but you don't follow him exhaustively while this situation is going on in the, in that show. And so I, I kind of became more okay with it. I realized I'm, I'm just looking to stir a pot here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So like that sort of, you know, he mentioned to somebody at some point, oh no, you know, and, and, He's somewhat familiar with Nurse Chapel, which I'm okay with, right? Not maybe as familiar as you would expect them to be, especially given their deep history together. But again, you deal with something being, yeah, no, we wrote that 50 years later, like 60 years later. Obviously, it's not going to have the same feel for the guy who did it 60 years ago, (laughs) who didn't know about this, right? So, 
Um, well, I got over it, <laughs> but it was one of those things. Here's the thing. I like that they chose somebody that they had. Yes. Right? They didn't create just a new character for the sake of it, right? And I'd like to see maybe how the arc works out for Bones, right? Getting involved. See some of it, because we've sort of introduced Kirk and where he was before Enterprise. And we introduced li- Scotty. We've introduced Scotty now, right? I'd like to see a little touch on uh, on where Bones is at, um, even if it's just a mention, right? Well, you know, Mbenga talking about, you know, I'm, oh, I was talking to this guy at Starfleet Medical, uh, McCoy, I think his name was, new guy, really nice. Um, <laughs> kind um, of a pain in the ass, a bit okay. grouchy. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's take a beat, because we already cleared an hour on this. Yeah. So I think we're gonna have to do a part two. We'll do a part two where we just handle strange new worlds. I think is just a good strange one. new worlds and and most of that. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna hang out here, or we're gonna hang up here. This will be the end of part one. Part two will be up next week, and we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, that wraps it up for this topic. However, the list of topics is ever growing. So if you have a show idea or a topic you think we should discuss, please send it to Christian at frugaldutchman.com. Or join us on Facebook, TFDATC. That's the Frugal Dutchman at the counter. So join us once again. We're nerdy isn't dirty. It's a badge of honor. For Christian, I'm Marcus. For Marcus, I'm Christian. And we'll see you at the counter. counter.